Hi there, everybody. This is Mike Kegley on the second episode of Eye on the Illini, the podcast brought to you by the Illini Guys. And of course, you can catch us at IlliniGuys.com. Today, we have a welcome to Brian Barnhart, the U of I play-by-play man since 2002. He's seen some of the most exciting moments of University of Illinois athletics from the uh, basketball team with D Brown, the Rose Bowl team led by Ron Zook, And he's also seen some challenges, the drought for the NCAA tournament and some of the things going on with the football team not winning as much as we we would like him to. Brian, thanks so much for being here, and we really appreciate you coming on board. Oh, thanks, Mike, for having me. This is great. I've done a couple of these uh, over time, uh, a couple of them from a a guy who was doing one down in St. Louis from his garage. So uh, your your room looks a little more uh, organized than that. But uh, no, it's, it's great to be on. We try, and you, you made my wife very happy because she does the interior decorating behind and tries to make things look nice. Uh, she's not really trusting of my style sense, et cetera. So and she's probably smart. Um, I, had, I, had, I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. And, and as I was reading through different things on your background, you know, you start off in college as a history major and you end up getting into broadcasting how did that happen well uh it's kind of a long story but um yeah i I met up with a guy who was uh became one of my best friends in college Uh, his name was mike tilly he was a broadcast student at liberty university and his goal in life was to be the voice of the north carolina tar heels uh woody durham had been doing the games and did up until two or three years ago maybe more than that now but but anyway, he listened to him growing up. And so, you know, we became friends and he said, hey, I, you know, I want to practice doing games at uh, Liberty University. He said, why don't you be my color guy and just, you know, throw in whatever. And uh, I thought, sure, you know, I've listened to games. I listened to Larry Stewart back in the day. I listened to Jim Turpin, yep. you know, Dick Martin and all these guys. I mean, I, I kind of knew what it sounded like, Lauren Tate. I thought, yeah, I can, I can do this. So we did it and we just, you know, I just thought this is a blast. I mean, wow. Um, you know, we sat up in the stands at uh, Liberty games with our little tape recorder, you know, and people are looking around over their shoulder, like, you know, what, what are you guys doing? And I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with it real fast. And we had a campus radio station on campus. Uh, it was AM 55 and only went into the dorms. You, you step outside the dorm, you couldn't get it. Yep. And uh, so you had to be listening, but um, I don't know. I changed majors at that point and decided, I think this is what I want to do. And I had no idea what entailed, you know, broadcasting wise. I had no idea how long it took to get anywhere or do anything. Um, I was just smitten by it. And uh, being a a sports fan, you know, a lot of it came naturally to me in that regard, but, but I had no idea at the time. And when somebody at the time, they asked me, you know, what do you want to do with this? And I was like, well, I just want to be a major league baseball announcer, you know, I, but I have no clue <laughs> what that entails or what that even looks like. And so, you know, I just started doing it and we started doing it for the, the, the great thing about Liberty was, and it's a lot bigger place now, division one, this was back when the school was only 10 years old. So if you were a broadcast student and you wanted to do things, you could do about anything you wanted. No, you want to do the women's game on Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Okay, go ahead. You know, and there really wasn't anybody to tell you not to do it. You know, if you go to a place like Syracuse, which is a big broadcast school, 
you've got to like earn your way on the air. Well, I was lucky because it was like, go ahead. It was a wild west, do whatever you want. And so, you know, just doing games, practicing more than anything. Um, it was a situation where it was just learning by experience. And I tell young broadcasters that all the time. I said, just get in front of something, you know, at your local high school or in front of a TV and just practice uh, because I wasn't very good at it. And my voice wasn't very good. I was kind of high pitched and nervous and all of that. But over time, my friend and I got to do a lot of stuff at school yep. that most students our age probably wouldn't have gotten a chance to do. And so, you know, when nobody was listening and nobody was paying any attention, I gradually got a little better as time went on. And then uh, when the real world came, when I, when I graduated from college, I actually had a minor league baseball job in Lynchburg, okay. uh, Virginia. And that's kind of where it started. Man, that, that is a great story. Now, I did the opposite. I went down to Southern Illinois University in radio TV. And after about my third class, they kept talking about the average pay being like $12,000. Meanwhile, I'm having people tell me, you know, if you get a business degree, you can make more than that. And there are days that I've thought to myself, man, I should have just stuck through and done what I was passionate about. And I look at your career and you're kind of an example of one of the people who kind of saw what they wanted and went down the path and made it happen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and realizing at the time that I didn't realize how a, how much money you actually made or didn't make in this case. I remember uh, Brad Underwood, who was a broadcast major at Kansas State. He got his degree in radio and TV. And, you know, he told me, he goes, I said, what, you know, you were broadcasting. Did you start out? He goes, yeah, I worked at a little station somewhere. And he goes, I realized that there wasn't very much money in it. Yeah. And so then he decided to get into coaching. And, of course, the rest is history. So, but I had no clue as to you know, I, I just thought, well, this is fun. I just do it. I'll do it for free, yep. you know, and, and then not realizing that eventually you're going to have to, you know, the first uh, first uh, bill you have for your, your student loan and, the, you know, you got to pay for an apartment. And pretty soon you start to realize, oh, this isn't very much money at all. But I was having so much fun. I did the minor league team in Lynchburg for a year. I did the minor league team in Salem, which is in the Carolina League. It's yep. a class A ball. I did their games for a year, did all of their games. And then eventually wound up in the next year at AAA, you know, in Oklahoma City. So my career got off to a pretty fast start. And then I was in Oklahoma City for probably eight years uh, doing their games, which was the AAA team for the Texas Rangers. And, um, you know, met a lot of interesting people, including Jeffrey Loria, who wound up owning the Florida Marlins, as it turned out, and won a championship. But I worked for him for a little while. And I, I just did, you know, to string together – a lot of jobs, you know, I would work. And when the baseball season was over, you know, I had to find other work. So I was doing minor league hockey. I was doing high school football in Shawnee, Oklahoma for 25 bucks a game. You know, I was, I was doing everything under the sun to make a living at it. Yep. But, um, you know, I was, I was having a blast and I still am. That's the, you know, that's the cool part. Well, I know growing up listening, I mean, when I was a kid in junior high, you know, um, that was back, of course, try to explain to people that every college football team was not broadcast every week. So there were there were Illini games that I listened to, you know, just on the radio. And you, you would listen to Turpin and Tate and you would mm -hmm. think about how cool it would be to be in their job and, and to have, you know, to get a chance to talk to you and somebody who's actually been able to realize that. 
is pretty neat. So I, I got to compliment you on your, your uh, stick to itiveness to make sure you got there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bus rides. Uh, you know, there's the old movie Bull Durham, yep. you know, which, which everybody's seen, I think. And, you know, and, and, a, and a lot of times movies are a little bit of an exaggeration. You know, there's, you know, you ask people about court movies, law movies, it's a little exaggerated. But in the minor league baseball world, they got it, you know, about 80% right. There's yep. a lot of bus rides, a lot of late nights very few days off. Um, and so you're working, you know, you're, you're around guys that aren't making very, making very much money either. Uh, but you know, we had a few of them that went on to the big leagues eventually over time. And so, yeah, it's been a, um, I always tell people, I said, I don't know if I could do anything else. I don't know how to do anything else. Like, you know, I'm not mechanically inclined. Yep. Um, I can't fix a car. I, you know, I can't build anything. Yep. Uh, so I, my voice probably needs to hold out because I don't know what else what else I'm going to do. <laughs> well, was there any, um, is there any pivotal moment that you, you look back on and you say, boy, if that hadn't happened, I might not have ended up where I'm at today. Oh, probably. Um, I, I one a key moment was I, when I was a junior in college, uh, the Lynchburg Mets, the minor league team there that I eventually worked for, uh, we had uh, my, Mike Tilly, my friend and I, we had done some Liberty games on Cox cable. This was the very early days of yep. cable television for nothing for free, but the cable TV guy there uh, remembered us when Lynchburg, the Mets team was wanting somebody to do their games on Cox cable. Oh, great. And he said, Hey, I got a couple, which is usually how it goes in this business. I know a guy that, you know, I used to work with. And so, you know, they say, we'll pay you 25 bucks a game and you can be on TV and, you know, call those games. And so had I been like, well, I don't want to do that or I'm not interested in TV. I was like, sure, I'll do it. Yep. You know, and so that was a big decision. And then that eventually when the Mets were hiring, uh, the Lynchburg Mets were hiring a number two guy in Lynchburg, um, the general manager who I had worked for the year before. I picked up the phone and called him because I heard they had an opening and he said, Oh yeah, you did the game scores last year. So just those little moments in time where if you, if you think, well, should I pick up the phone or should I not uh, pick up the phone, yeah. <laughs> you know, pick get, up the phone and you probably solved the problem for him, you know, mm -hmm. something that he had to try to figure out, like, who am I going to get to do this? How, am I, how much am I going to pay him? Phone rings. There's his solution, you know? Right. Yeah. So it kind of, that was a big moment. I remember thinking at the time, you know, I really don't want to bother this guy, you know, and, you know, I, and it was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, we remember you did a great job for us. So let's, you know, we'll hire you. Yep. And um, I've been lucky the jobs I've had, whether it's been um, the job in Lynchburg or the job in Salem, which is in Roanoke, Virginia, which was in that same league. I either interviewed once and was offered the job every time. I haven't really had to wait a long time for any any uh, interview process to take place. So I've, <laughs> I've been fortunate in that regard. So. Yeah, sometimes you'd rather be good than lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it, now in, 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 your, um, in your role, how, how, you know, cause obviously you're doing the play-by-play -play and you're traveling a bit with the team. Do you get to know the, the, the coaching staff and, and get to know the players um, when you're doing that as a, you know, in your job? Mm -hmm. uh, basketball, yes, very much so. Uh, football, there's just so many guys yeah. that are on the, I mean, you've got 10 assistant coaches, you've got 
a bunch of um, strength and conditioning folks. You've got um, other coaches who work as grad assistants. You just can't, it's just impossible to get to know them all. Um, basketball is much more, I always compare it, traveling with a football team is like moving an army. I mean, there's just so many people and they may, some of those people may or may not know what you do and you're not sure quite what they do uh, in some regards, but you know, the key players, the, the coaches, the key players, you know, the, the offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, you get to know those folks really well. Uh, basketball is much more like moving a platoon. You're just moving with a smaller number of guys. Um, when you're going to, you know, when we, we would travel somewhere, of course, this year is totally different, but you would uh, fly with it. Say if we were playing Nebraska tonight, we would have left last night, uh, probably about four o'clock landed, had a shoot around at Pinnacle Bank Arena. You're there with them. You're talking to the assistants while the guys are warming up. You're, you're talking to various people associated with the team. You're watching the shoot arounds the next morning. You get a real feel for the team and they are used to having you around, especially since I've been around a long time. Um, you know, they, they trust you. They, they're sharing stuff with you. you. You can pick the brain of one of the assistants and he'll kind of explain, you know, I'll say, well, why is so-and-so playing and why is somebody not? Yep. Well, here's why, you know, and it can, so it gives you a lot of background. We don't have, we haven't had that this year because we haven't been able to get really near the team. Yep. So I, I do miss that, but yeah, you get to know um, the team, uh, the players, um, they get, you know, that first year, it's funny, the freshman year, they're kind of like, who is this? You know, who is yep. this old guy? What, what is yep. he doing here? You know, and eventually they start to figure it out and then they start to appreciate it. by the junior and senior year, they're like fist bumping you all the time. And they're, you yep. know, they're, they're used to having you around. So, and then when, when their careers are over, then they come back and, you know, they're like, Oh, I remember when you said this about me or, you know, or I listen all the time and I didn't realize that, you know, you said this about me or whatever. So there's a lot of that, but yes, the basketball, especially so football's to an extent, but, but not totally. So uh, just out of curiosity, you know, we keep hearing the 16 year rule, you know, that uh, 89, we went to a final four, 2005, we went to a final four and here it is 2021. How do you uh, compare early on? Certainly they're not as dominant as the uh, D Brown Illini, but how do you compare this team to that Illini team? Because you're one of the people who's been up close and personal with both of them. You see anything that are similar or dissimilar between the two teams? Well, the similarities uh, would be in the similarities and differences are kind of the same, but the similarities are that you've got a lot of the same people back. Uh, you know, IO coming back was like a thunderbolt. I mean, nobody expected that. Uh, I figured Kofi would be back. I wasn't surprised he was back. He, and I, you know, he may need another year still. I mean, as good as he is, I agree. Uh, he's fabulous, but, but, you know, those two guys coming back and then just, the, the makeup of the team, DeMonte coming back, there was a lot of reason to think that this team would be a contender and having Io back was going to potentially put them in the final four, potentially. Um, the biggest difference, though, is that you still have two freshmen, Adam Miller and Andre Curbelo, who you can almost see them learning how to play at this level as they go. I always tell people it's like a, there's this, the movie – of the team. And then there's the movie within the movie, right? There's the movie of Adam Miller and there's the movie of Andre Curbelo. And you got to get all those pieces to flow together that by the time you get to March, they figured out 
what to do as a freshman. They've learned how to improve their game. They've learned that, you know, Curbelo went through it the other night. You know, it was the first time he'd really struggled. They didn't let him. I mean, they, he still made some passes and he still had assists, but they forced him to be a shooter, Yep. which right now is not his. Now he'll get better at that. You know, Miller is a great outside three-point shooter, but he's going to have to work on his mid-range game. And his defense has been improving, and it has to get better. And so those little storylines continue throughout the year. The biggest difference between this team and the team at 05 is you had all five starters back from a Sweet 16 team the year before. Yep. They had rattled off a bunch of wins in a row at the end of the previous year to win the Big Ten title. Remember the game at Purdue, Luther Heads put back. You know, there was all these great games. And so when they got to the Sweet 16 in Atlanta and lost to Duke, you knew that next year could be really special because every one of those guys was back. And it was going to be the same five starters. And they all fit into their roles, Augustine and Powell and D and Darren and Luther. And um, so when the year started, I wasn't surprised at all that year in 05 that right. we were as good as we were going to be. The game that was the real tip-off, though, nationally for people of course, it was the Wake Forest game, which right. everybody remembers. But I remember Lauren Tate was doing the game with me in Indianapolis with Gonzaga, where we just clobbered the Zags the game before. And Lauren Tate turned to me during one of the segments of the game when we were up by whatever it was. And he said, Brian, these guys are really good. <laughs> and that was the first dawning of like, yeah, I think we do have something special here. And then once they won the Wake Forest game, I remember telling a couple of people in town, you know, I'm looking at the schedule going, I don't know when we're going to lose again. I was pretty confident. Yep. Um, haven't been able to say that quite this year. You know, obviously the COVID messed the schedule up and everything, but, you know, Baylor, you knew was going to be tough. And, you know, the Missouri game is a whole animal unto itself. <laughs> the way yeah, that, the way that, that, the way that, that goes. Well, and I, so you know, that was I, tough. Yeah. And I look at it and I keep thinking to myself, we'll know how good this team is when we see them play 40 minutes because mm -hmm. they've played some impressive 20 minute stretches. Mm -hmm. um, and, and once coach Underwood gets that 40 minutes that he, you know, or, you know, that he gets from IO and we can get that to everybody. I think this team will be pretty special. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, you, you got to earn that. You got to learn it, earn it and, and do it. Um, but I will say that IO his will to win is something that's really good that I think is maybe underestimated by the fans. I don't remember a college kid that you can point at that he adds so much in an off season. I mean, he's literally, it's almost like watching one of those Marvel superhero movies where, you know, the hero gets better between, mm -hmm. you know, number one and number two. And mm -hmm. IO seems to, you know, with him and his family, they seem to analyze what he needs to do better put together a plan to, to improve and then execute on it. And then when you watch him the next season, mm -hmm. you're like, wow, you know, he couldn't do that last year. Right. Um, if I'm an NBA team, I'm looking at him going there, there's some upward potential that, that mm -hmm. may not just be limited to athletic ability. Yeah, he was, you're absolutely right. Because he went from, you know, when you even look at his body shape when he was a freshman to what he is now, I mean, yes. it's just, it's just ridiculous how much different it is. And yes, I mean, now you almost take for granted. And I hope Illini fans enjoy him while he's here again. And I don't think they're taking him for granted, but it's easy to, because every night he's going to get 20 points. He's going to yep. have five or six assists. He's going to grab five or six rebounds. 
And it's like when he has a game where only has 12, people are like, well, what happened to Io? Where is he? Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, it, it's just he's so good at what he does. And I had not seen one particular player hit so many big shots after big shot after big shot. You almost expect it to go in every time. And when he let, when he let that ball go against Maryland the other night, you know, you're almost shocked that – what do you mean it didn't go in? Yeah. How did, the, how did it not go in? Yeah, <laughs> because he, it's supposed he, to go in. Yeah, he, he's, he's been really fun to watch this year, um, the evolution of, of Kofi. You know, even at the start of the year, he seemed to have much more problems grabbing – you know, just, just getting, getting a hold of passes. And, you know, he's, he's been getting better at that. And I think both those two show you the secret. And you go back to look at, like I said, D Brown's team – but it shows you the secret that Wisconsin and Purdue and, and to a lesser extent, Iowa, you know, you get guys there four years mm -hmm. and, or three years, you know, you can build mm -hmm. quite a team. As oh, sure. Opposed, you know, look, look at the issues uh, Kentucky and Duke have had the last six mm -hmm. or eight years mm -hmm. trying to win with, you know, four freshmen and one sophomore. That's just hard to do in the NCAA. Yeah. And, and, and those coaches, Coach K and Calipari, you know, people say, oh, they should just roll them out there and they just play. Well, no, because you've got four freshmen. No matter how good they are, they're going to do goofy stuff, you know, yeah. and, they're, and, they're, and they're learning how to play. So the overall answer to your question about the two teams, though, that team was ready-made to make a run, the old five team. This team can get there, there's no doubt. But they've got the little different dynamic with the two freshmen, especially yep. Curbelo and Miller, they're kind of learning on the job here. And by the end of the year, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for the team, but, but then even then, once you get into the tournament, you know, you gotta, you gotta have luck. You gotta, you probably have one game where, you know, you're going to barely win. Yep. <laughs> you're going to have, you know, it's all about matchups and it's, re it's really the, the biggest thing I learned in 2005 is how hard it is to get to the final four. You know, yep. people just anymore fans want, well, we need to be in the sweet 16 every year. And I'm like, that is really, really hard. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard to get to that level. And then the pressure exponentially just multiplies like crazy, you know, the next two rounds, because it's just, it's just really, really hard to get there. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. Now, when you're, when you're traveling with the basketball team, what's it like traveling with them, let's say after a big win, and what's it like after a big loss? You know, I mean, is, is, mm -hmm. is, do, do the kids get that out of their system quickly? Or do you see a big difference when you're, you know, after the game traveling back, let's say from, you know, if you're up in East Lansing and you're going back to, to Champaign, do you see a difference after a big, big win or a big loss? Or what have, what have you experienced? Mm. Oh, sure. Um, after a big win, you know, you have the, the time after the game, uh, where usually there's food on the bus because they always order food yep. from somewhere. Yep. And so people are eating, but there's just a lot more chatter, yep. you know, guys digging at each other or teasing each other or laughing about stuff. And, you know, everybody's in a, in a great mood. Um, after a loss, people have their food, but it's pretty quiet. Right. You know, you just, you just get on the bus and sit, you know, and try not to talk real loud. <laughs> You yeah, know, I, and it's uh, it's a little different, you know, and, and it's you got to remember consciously, you know, for me, I take losses hard, too, but I didn't exert all that energy and effort and scouting report and all that that went into it. And so I'm like, yeah, we lost. I'm disappointed. You know, man, I'd rather I'd really like to beat Michigan State 
but you know what? I'll eat my food and I might be talking to somebody. I got to remember not to laugh or not to, you know, because it's like, no, they're, they're pretty upset. Um, And then you go to the plane, you go through security, you know, you get on the plane and then it's usually after a loss, it's pretty quiet. And uh, even after a win, it can be quiet because these guys don't get a lot of sleep. And so if they get a chance for an hour or two to sleep, they just, they're out. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I mean, it gets dark pretty quick. So, so, you know, we're talking about all the different things with your job. What, what would you say is the, your favorite part of the job? What do you like best? Well, and it's been reinforced this year. Um, It's just the atmosphere and the crowds. Um, You just, it is such, I always knew it was a big part of it, but I never, I didn't, you almost take it for granted that there's just going to be, you know, this arena, there's going to be 15,000 people. You go to this arena is going to be 12,000 then. And it's going to be loud and it's going to be raucous and there's going to be momentum swings. And uh, when you're doing the game, you're feeding off of that. And now it's like, there's nobody here. I mean, it's, it's, they can create fake noise. They can do a lot of things to try to recreate it. But uh, to me, that's the most enjoyable part. And I know growing up listening to Larry Stewart and to Turpin and Tate and those guys, if you were listening on the radio and you're right, because there weren't as many, nearly as many games on TV. I mean, your radio was how you followed the team and those crowd, the roar of a crowd and the, you know, Illinois being on a 10 2 run timeout, Indiana, you know, and the crowds go, those are all adrenaline um, moments that really you just feed off of. Uh, and why when a game is over at night, you know, uh, I'll tell my wife, I got to stay up for an hour and just unwind because you're so charged up after a game, uh, it just takes a while to um, go to sleep, even after a loss. Uh, So that's the thing I miss the most. And that's the thing I enjoy the most is the, and then, you know, like we go to the football games normally on a Saturday and, you know, you walk through Grange Grove and you, you, Hey, how you doing? Hey, Brian, what do you think of the team? And Hey, you're doing this. And you're over here at our stations or uh, Learfield's tailgate tent or you're, you know, and it's just the whole uh, give and take atmosphere. Everybody's fired up about the game. Um, and then this year you go in and there's nobody there. You know, it's it's it becomes more transactional now. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing the games this year, obviously, that for a paycheck. But it's just not quite the same because you don't have the, the atmosphere. And so the atmosphere is what I enjoy the most, really. Um, the crowds, the the close games, you know, that are just so memorable. (laughs) And I I almost wonder as great a year as Io's having, he seems to revel in when the crowd is like against him a little bit and, Mm -hmm. and, and trying to tell like, you know, basically, basically trying to root against him, boo him that he can't do something. I almost think that energizes him. And I wonder as good as he has been this year, could he have a couple more points a game because he seems to elevate his game, mm-hmm. you know, in those big moments and he feeds off the crowd. And, and unlike a lot of players, seems like he can feed off of the opposing crowd just as much as he can feed off of the positive Illini fans. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe I'm wrong on that, but it's kind of interesting. No, it is. It's true. Um, the, the great ones do that. Yeah. You know, some, some players don't want the pressure. They don't want the, you know, they, you know, it's, uh, it distracts them or they get, um, you know, they, they lose their, especially young players, they lose their train of thought. If you go up to the is zone for the first time and they're, 
you know, yeah. they're yeah. razzing you about your girlfriend or they're whatever they're, you know, you hear all that stuff, yep. you know, and you don't know what to do with it. Um, guys like IO, you know, they just like, Hey, bring it on, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I, I, and, and they feed off of it. Yeah. He, he really does. That's what, that was just something that uh, Brad Sturdy, another one of the Illini guys and I were talking about. And, you know, like I said, I, I really feel like, you know, I'm, I'm under the assumption that the NBA is going to be the right move for him. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not in his family. Um, but I, I, you know, myself and my friends, it's like, hey, appreciate every single game because, you know, I, it's going to be a while till we see somebody who can do all the things that he can. And, and right. And that, that, that was that was the one thing, Mike, I told people back in 2005 is, you know, there were people as that team was winning game after game after game, people were like, well, you know, we're shooting too many threes and we're, you know, we need to, and it's like, will you enjoy this? <laughs> we haven't lost. We're not going to lose for another month. Yeah. You know, enjoy it because, you know, you're not going to get this all the time. And then of course, over the last 10 years, we've had more down seasons than up. And it's like, man, it'd be fun to get back to that again. Yes. Uh, that's what I say. So enjoy it. Uh, that's the one thing I've learned too, is just enjoy it. Um, those moments because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go through a lot more years than what we've had to go through, you know, with losing seasons and so forth. Yep. Well, one of the things we do at Illini guys on the uh, eye on the Illini is, is we have what we call an IG top three. So that's Illini guys top three. <laughs> and obviously you've got kind of a very unique perspective. So, you know, you've called some unbelievable Illini moments over the years what do you think? And I, and I know it might be hard just to boil down to top three, but what would your top three moments be that you've been the guy who's been literally describing that for Illini fans? You know, when you look at all the stuff you've done, do you have a top three or some that you might be able to narrow it down to? <laughs> yeah, I can. I, it's, it's, you're right. It is hard to get it to three. Uh, there's a lot of them. I, I think, you know, in general, you know, doing a national final four championship game, you know, I mean, that's, that's a given. I mean, it was um, unbelievable to be sitting there and there's the panoramic posters that a lot of us have, you know, of the dome in St. Louis, which was yep. just huge splotches of orange. And that whole experience was unbelievable. The, the, I don't know if you were there, but the 30,000 people that showed up for a shoot around the day before the game, when they don't do anything, but shoot layups and yeah. run around and exercise. And that's about it. And there were 30,000 people there that, that whole experience was unbelievable, but, uh, and then going to the Rose bowl, of course, you know, in general, just the, the, I lived out there for a couple of years when I did the angels and yep. uh, the San Gabriel mountains are just unbelievable. And that Rose bowl setting is breathtaking. And so that was, you know, the game wasn't that great. I mean, uh, you know, the Trojans, uh, USC had a big day that day, but, um, I would say just specific moments, um, the top one, which I get asked all the time, is the Arizona game. I mean, oh, there's <laughs> for, for what was on the line, uh, 15 down, four minutes to go, the season we had had, I'm thinking in my mind, how am I going to recap this? I mean, we've come this far. Yeah. And then suddenly it's, you know, a steal and Darren and D and Luther. And, you know, suddenly it's 80, 77 and Darren's hitting the three to, you know, to tie the game and just the, the absolute is the loudest arena I've ever been in in my life. Uh, the Allstate Arena at the time. I mean, it was just jet engine loud. And um, just all that was at stake that whole year, 
And then, you know, finally when the, the guy for uh, Arizona missed the shot, we won in overtime and just, I yep. mean, <laughs> and I had actually gotten a cold because the arena was sitting on ice, basically the, yep. the floor. I don't, I don't know how the arena wound up with that game, the elite eight game. I'm not sure <laughs> how, but um, it was cold in there. It was dark as far as the lighting, yep. but the arena was lit up with orange clad fans, of course. And it was, however many were in there, 15,000 or whatever. And it was 14,000 to one, basically, yep. uh, fans. So that game in its entirety is is easily the greatest sporting event I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Uh, you and know, and I even go back, no, I even go back and, do, yeah. yeah, and I even go back and listen, you know, Stu, and it's, it still kind of gives me chills just to listen to it because I know what happens, yep. but it's just like, like, wow. I mean, the crowd was just unbelievable. Um, I see that one is all that, you know, you can, you can get that on the big 10 network and sometimes they'll replay versions of it on ESPN. I think that's one that's going to be there forever, you know, which, mm -hmm. which is awesome. I'm sure, you know, Arizona fans uh, are real happy about that thing becoming <laughs> so, such a good ratings draft. Yeah. So that was probably number one. Uh, number two is probably the, the win at Ohio state in 2007 uh, in Columbus um, just that whole last drive with juice and telling Ron Zook, he's going to, he can make it, you know, and you better make it. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, just all, and, and it was like, every time it's like, are we sure we, you know, can we just win this with juice Williams running the football every time? And, and sure enough, and we made it every time he'd barely make it or he'd make it just enough or, and, uh, just that whole, I remember the, Mike Loxley was in the booth next to us as the offensive coordinator. And normally they have all their windows taped up and everything, which is normal between our booth and their booth. Yep. You know, not that we're going to know anything of what they're doing, but they're, <laughs> they're keeping it private, but you could, you could see them and hear them whooping and hugging and yelling at the end of the game because of, of that final drive. So that was probably number two, uh, just because beating Ohio state in their building, taking away their, you know, number one ranking and, and so forth. Um, that was great. And then probably just, uh, well, it's hard. It might be a tie for three, but, you know, last year the Wisconsin kick by McCourt, yeah. you know, just it, it wasn't as, um, you know, there are probably bigger wins overall, but just the dramatics of that, because that was a game that you went into the stadium, you know, even the most uh, ardent or optimistic Illini fan was like, okay, let's go in and get this over with, you know, with Wisconsin, because they haven't been scored on, you know, they can't, we, nobody can score on them. Uh, they score like crazy, um, you know, and we're not gonna be able to stop them. And then as the game went on, it was like, you know, we're actually in this thing. And then the next thing, you know, Oh my gosh, we've got an interception. We might actually win it, which was all played out when you hear the replay, Martin O'Donnell's emotion and everything connected to it was because of the way that game had, went along going from we have no chance basically to oh my gosh we might actually win <laughs> yeah and, and I, so, I didn't think there was a chance and I, I go back to the Ohio State game and that was back in the era when I was a pharmaceutical district manager and so we had a convention in New Orleans it was the first uh, big convention post Katrina mm -hmm. and so I had myself and a couple of my reps who were also Illini fans we were in our, in my room watching the game 
and we were yelling and shouting so loud that we had somebody from the hotel come up because they thought we were drinking in the room. It's like, now nah, we're just, we've had like three beers, but our team's winning. Yeah. And they're just yeah. like, well, keep it down. And then, you know, left us alone. <laughs> but we were, we loved it. It was such a great, yeah. uh, a great time. Yeah. And then the other one would be probably the tie for third two. And well, I know I'm giving you four, but yep, that's uh, would, would be um, the Tyler Griffey layup to beat Indiana. Oh, yeah. At the, at the end of that game, I, uh, there is a great, I mean, well, you know, just the comeback, it's Indiana who, you yeah. know, most Illini fans don't like at all, uh, the candy stripe pants and everything that goes with it. And they were number one and they had a lot of fans in our building and just everything of that whole night. And then we come back and then you get the, you get the steal by DJ Richardson. He almost makes a layup. Then we have to inbound in the corner. Uh, and then Tyler Griffey breaks open as we know. And there's a great mural uh, that's at the oven center that's on the entire wall that shows Griffey just as he's laying the ball up and the, and the lights going off, the ball is out of his hand, the lights going off and the orange crush are starting to run on the floor. Yep. And uh, along the, and I, I didn't realize I had done it, but at the time I'm like this with my standing <laughs> up and, you know, standing up on press row as I knew it was about to go in. And um, Jerry Hester was just going bananas uh, okay. next to me. And um, that's, that's just a singular. I got more because it got replayed on all the sports center and ESPN and the radio call and all the things I got texts from uh, people all over the country. I hadn't heard from in a long time going, Hey, I heard your call on, uh, yeah. you know, this station and you were on in Salt Lake city this morning. And I heard that, you know, and uh, so that's, those are probably some of the greatest moments. Um, there are a lot of others, but those are the, probably the top three or four. Well, thanks. That, that, that's, I, I appreciate you doing that because the, the IG top three, we're trying to do one um, every episode and we've got, mm -hmm. you know, a guest on like you who can give us a very unique perspective. So I appreciate that. Um, Brian, thanks so much for uh, coming on. I know that uh, taking time out of your evening uh, is, is something that's, that's hard for a guy who travels and does all the things that you do, but we really appreciate it here at, uh, Illini guys, and certainly uh, anytime you want to be on the podcast, you are more than welcome to come on, and, and we'd love to uh, listen to some of the stories and some of the things that you could talk about uh, with the Illini. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome, Mike. Thank you, and good luck to your, uh, your new venture here, and yes. I'm happy to help. All right. Thank you, sir.